Hello, and welcome to another episode of Podcasting Success Secrets. My name is Hector Santia Esteban, and I'm your host, your guide, uh, merely your facilitator for today. Yes, I've spent much of the last decade trying to figure out how to make a sustainable and successful podcast, but today's guest of honor today is Ms. Rena Friedman-Watts. She is the host of the Better Call Daddy podcast, who is now approaching almost 400 episodes, something like that. I am approaching 400, but I am at around 350. That is incredible. So, Rena, thank you for hanging out with us today. Thank you so much for having me. And I am impressed by you being able to do that on the fly, that intro. I've done a number of these episodes, so um, it was not always that easy. And every time in the back of my head, I'm like, don't screw this up. Don't screw this up. Don't screw this up. And most times we get through it. But I want to give a quick note to the listeners. If you guys have not heard the episode with Rena previously, she was on a, I guess back then it was a Twitter space where we did a, a spotlight on women in podcasting with five other incredible women and talked about some things there. So go back and listen to that episode if you haven't. It came out, uh, came out around September of 2022, Rena. Can you believe that? That was over a year ago that we recorded that. I love that that's how we connected though. That's so cool. Yeah, I love your show for two reasons. The first is, is we'll talk about the premise of it, but before that, it always gets caught up with the call your daddy kind of show. And people think, oh, that's her, like she's that. And I'm like, well, A, she's just as cool, but she's less publicly raunchy. Like maybe in private, it's the same, but she's got a similar, albeit different vibe. But I do want to bring that up because that comes up. Sometimes people are like, oh, is she that show? And I'm like, not totally. Different topics, a little bit different. Anything with daddy in the title is good for SEO. And I'm hoping to get some of the runoff traffic from Call Her Daddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The people who are like, this is a little too much. Let me uh, let me tone it down just a smidge. And I think you land right in there. But the premise is great. And for those who haven't listened, well, I'd love for you to explain the premise and maybe how you landed on the type of show that you do, because a lot of people do interview shows, but you've got kind of a, a unique twist that you have for it. Yeah, thank you. So I got my start at the Jerry Springer show. And in casting, I started off as an intern, I went from intern to associate producer to producer in one season. And so that is really where like my love of casting and wild, outrageous, sensational stories began. In the beginning with my show, I was like, wow, I could cast those similar kinds of stories. And then instead of Jerry giving the final thought, my daddy's got that wisdom. So my dad kind of could add his two cents to every episode. And my dad is a total ham. He's a character. He's always wanted me to be in front of the camera, although I have spent like 20 years behind the scenes. So I roped my dad in and he adds his intergenerational perspective to everybody who I interview. Yeah. It's kind of funny that we grew up on like Jerry Springer. It was one of those shows that for a while my parents didn't let me watch, but then the more they didn't let me watch it, I was like, I'm going to find a way to figure out what's on this Jerry show. So any day that I was home from school or whenever I went to my grandparents' house and there was no one really monitoring the TV, I always watched Jerry Springer and Mari. <laughs> and I can't tell you how much I think that that has an impact on like my, my psyche and perhaps some of my trauma that I'm also undoing now as well. I was doing that too. And 
it's funny because people are like, was your dad, even Jerry asked me, he was like, was your dad happy when you told him you were going to work on the show or (laughs) disappointed? I'm like, oh yeah, my dad worked in a factory. I grew up in Kentucky. The guests weren't that far-fetched from our surroundings. He was encouraging me to take that opportunity. (laughs) Well, it's an interesting thing because I think... I've heard you talk about it a little bit. I don't remember where in, in the number of conversations, but in the sense that Jerry and maybe you behind it, and I'm sure I'm curious where it came from, really understood that casting, let's call it good for lack of a better term, but casting whatever insert word here, guess, high quality guess can be a really good growth tactic, show tactic. Like that can be a strategy in and of itself. And and it seems like you've kind of leaned into that same sort of thing with the podcast. Yeah, totally. I heard somebody say this term. It isn't just booking celebrities or clout chasing, having people on who have bigger audiences than you. If you book somebody that has an outrageous story, like I had somebody admit to incest on my show, it doesn't matter how many followers that person has. If you can get somebody that has that kind of daddy issue to admit to that, people want to hear that story. It's the same thing with Springer. Like Springer gave people their 15 minutes of fame that we were picking them up at their lot space. They were like trailer park trash. They didn't have big followings, but they had outrageous stories going on. I will say too, he never treated any of those guests like he was better than them. So my show is kind of a mix of, hey, like, look at some of these people I'm still connected to from my former life of reality TV. But also, hey, this person has never told their story. And she accomplished a Guinness World Book record of climbing the furthest for somebody with muscular dystrophy. So I believe that everybody has a story. And if you've worked through your trauma and you're willing to be an open book and you've got a daddy story angle to it, come my way. Yeah, one of our mutual friends, Matt Gahuli, host of the Life Shift podcast, talks about some of his best performing episodes are the ones where people, not necessarily the high profile guests, but the ones where they talk about their divorce or their scandalous-esque story. And I think that that can be, a let's call it a draw for podcasts. And that can be something that levels the playing field with these big mega network shows that's how an indie podcaster can still win is by bringing quality stories. I have a couple really good examples of that. So I'm in a private Facebook group with everyone who's ever worked on Springer. And somebody posted in that group that there was a guest who came on the Jerry Springer show at one years old. And then 20 years later, Jerry did an update with him. And he's been on Oprah. He's been on like People Magazine. He's been all over the internet. And I was like, oh, cool. I also like worked on the show 20 years ago. And then Jerry was on my show like 20 years later. So I reached out to him. I was like, hey, you got a happy ending too. Like, I want to cover your story. And he was on the show as a one-year-old because he was like a 70-pound baby. And then by fifth grade, he was like 150 pounds. And Jerry actually helped him connect with a geneticist and like find out what condition he had. He has like some form of giantism. I think that's how you say it. Anyway, so I just had this guy on and then I'm going to interview his mom. And just like on Jerry, where there's a family angle, if you get the cheating story, you want the interfering mother-in-law too. You can go a whole show with a family. So one thing that I have done is I interviewed this 
chick and she told me that she tricked a guy into getting her pregnant because she was a lesbian. And then I interviewed her son. So it was like an update story. So I've tapped into a similar theme of my Jerry Springer roots, where if there's a good story, you could do an update with a family member. Another one I did was this girl, Jackie, who I was friends with in Chicago. She told me that she was adopted. She wanted me to interview her adopted mom, her adoptive mom, and then her birth mom. And then by interviewing the birth mom, I then met her half-sister, who her mom kept 16 months later. And then through that interview, she ended up tracking down her birth dad. So it's just crazy. So wild. You know, you don't have to write this stuff. You can just go out and find it. And one thing I'd, I'd love to get your insights on is finding a good story or like some of these texts. Because I think that you're great at that and like really like hunting it down. But also another thing that I noticed is that you, you mentioned it with Jerry, is that you do it in a way that doesn't throw shade at people or that is not in any way like there to make fun of. And I don't know how you do it, but I've never thought of like Rena as like, oh, that's slimy. But I think some people associate Jerry Springer-esque stories with this sliminess. So how are you able to like navigate that? Or is that something you're even conscious of or thinking about in how you're treating some of these guests? I absolutely love that question. And I love that you noticed that. And actually, part of the reason I left the show is because a guest said to me, how can you live with yourself? When I was 21 years old, I definitely was wanting to work in entertainment, wanting to make a lot of money, definitely self-serving, and didn't really think about ruining people's lives. And I felt like if they were calling into the show to get their 15 minutes of fame and spill their guts that everybody knew kind of what they were getting into and working on Jerry Springer and in coming on the show. However, when people pour their heart out to you and share their stories with you and you pit them against each other and then they yell and scream and share all of their dirty laundry on TV, the after effects of that can start to wear on you. And so where I do differ from that is that Yes, I don't pit people against each other. I genuinely am interested in their story. I want to give them a platform to share what they've learned. And I like talking about unique subjects with my dad that I wouldn't have thought of otherwise. For instance, I had a guy that I mentioned this story a lot because my mom had me young and she was done having kids by 26. She had three kids by 26. And that was that. And my dad wanted more kids and it was a contention point in their marriage. And my dad was like, well, maybe I'll just become a sperm donor. So anyway, I had a sperm donor come on the show who was a dad to 25 kids. And after we interviewed him, my dad's thoughts on sperm donation actually changed. She was like, hmm, maybe that was my ego. That probably would have wrecked my marriage. Maybe that wasn't a good idea. Not being a part of 25 kids that you bring into the world, do I really agree with that? So that was an interesting subject that I never would have even talked about with my dad or abortion. That wasn't something that my dad really believed in, but I had a guest on the show who we interviewed in person and I met her from having produced a healthcare podcast. And when my dad met her in person and saw that maybe that wasn't the right opportunity for her in the relationship that she was in, my dad's view on abortion even changed. He was like, maybe it is situational. And I thought that that was actually kind of interesting and a breakthrough. There's just been so many subjects that now I've talked about with my dad. I interviewed the host of How to Build a Sex Room. I had never talked to my dad about that before. And he's very old-fashioned. and He's not really into whips and chains. No, but sex was... <laughs> for, uh, no, no sex rooms for him? 
<laughs> no sex rooms for daddy. Although he did agree with everybody needs passion in their life. And <laughs> he's more into walks on the beach. You know, That's funny. I think also a lot of people get into podcasts and they think if I get a celebrity guest, that's going to make my show. Or if I land this name, all of a sudden I'm going to get millions of listeners and downloads. And I can't tell you how many people have come to me and say, I booked this high quality guest. I thought, you know, it was a celebrity-esque guest. I thought it was going to be a huge downloads and it was a total thud. And that seems to be more of a trend than, than the other way. And perhaps that's just a small sample size. But how are you able to navigate that? Because you said it's not just about booking a celebrity. So what might be a better perspective when it comes to booking guests? So I saw this tweet yesterday and it was, would you rather have more followers or more feedback? And the way that I have judged my show over the last year and a half, not even so much in the beginning, because then you're just still figuring everything out, like the format, what works. But over the last year and a half, what I've really been paying attention to is how many people are in my texts, how many people are in my email, how many people are coming my way. I think that is actually a much better indicator of your success versus how many followers, how many downloads. I am not doing it for the downloads. I am not doing it for the followers. I am doing it to up my wisdom rating and to potentially get more wisdom from the people that are coming on the show and special time with my dad. And as long as that's going on, I'm totally happy. I will say that I'm also doing it to bring new opportunities into my life. Like I had this Bruce Chamoff guy on who was the CEO of the World Podcast Network. And then I saw that he was a musician and he sent me some of his music. And I was like, hey, if you ever want a backup singer, I used to sing. And he was like, I'll send you some lyrics. And so we just collaborated on a song. It's going to come out soon. And then another guy that I was interviewing, Jay Franzi, in an interview, he told me that he does artist development on the side and that he's worked with Shania Twain and like some big producers in his Nashville days. And I was like, oh, cool. Well, check out this song that I haven't released yet with Bruce. But if you want to do something like this, I'd be interested in the kind of music that you do. I know you know how to audio tune. You know how to do reverb on voices. I bet you could make me sound great. Find people that are doing things that you love, that you're impressed with, that you've wanted to do something like what they're doing and see how you can collaborate. Like I saw somebody on Twitter that you actually responded to. He said, Hey, I'm looking for stings for my podcast. Just say, Hey, I'm the host of the Better Call Daddy show. And you're listening to XYZ. I was like, what a great idea. So I took his idea and was like, who will do this for my show? Maybe I'll insert that. See what people are doing that you like and that you can apply to your own show. I think that you got to constantly be looking out for that. There's another girl, Lisa David Olson. She does comedy. She does improv. She does pranks. I was like, oh my God, it'd be so funny to like prank my dad or my daughter like live on my you, show. You know Lisa. Lisa's so great. Yeah. I steal people's ideas and apply them to my own thing all the time, but it's never really 100% their idea, right? Like there's so many ideas that are recycled, but how can you apply that to what you're doing and bring some more fun and joy into your experience? Keep it fresh. This is a great question because you're 400 episodes, almost 300, 350 episodes. How do you keep it fresh? What allows you to maintain that level of consistency? Because you've probably heard the stats where most podcasts drop by seven episodes and then even less make it to like 25. And then 
I think the smallest percentage will make it to 100. But every episode you publish, you're kind of defying those odds. So what has enabled that consistency? Some grace. Like today is release day. I am still a bit of a perfectionist where I QA'd the episode that's going to go out today. Like I don't release every day at the same time. Today is release day. I will release it. But it used to be Monday was my release date. That's another thing too. I will release one episode a week, but sometimes I'll do Monday. Sometimes I'll do Wednesday. Sometimes I'll do Friday, depending on the news. If the news is insane. Don't ever do Mondays, guys. Monday releases, don't do it. Because then the weekend is right before that. We used to have Monday releases, and then we realized that it was too stressful because it was right before, you know, the weekend was right there. So we started pushing to Tuesdays. Yeah. So that's the thing, too. Have some flexibility. I am sticking to releasing one a week. In the beginning, I was doing three a week. I was a maniac, then two, now one because I have clients. You have to still be able to enjoy it. That's what I'm saying. Like collaborating with people who are also enjoying it, reaching out to people that you want to interview versus people that are coming your way. I think that's another thing. If intros are made, that's wonderful, but push some of those out and go after who you actually want to interview. I love introductions and I encourage introductions. And I also think definitely nurture your inbox. Keep the relationships that you currently have instead of always trying to get new ones like nurture, nurture. I think nurture is actually better than continuing to just collect people. But I think what has kept me consistent is I do a mix of reaching out to people who I want to interview and whose books I'm reading and who I'm listening to online versus just the people that are coming my way. Yeah, I think that's a really good point about making it something that you look forward to. I think that it can be so much of a drag sometimes, and not often the recording or the actual conversations, but all of the ancillary things that come along with it, the editing, the show notes, the promotion, the video clips, like all those sorts of things that people get caught up in. And then they start associating their drive and their motivation with that and not with the conversations and with the recordings and and the stuff that they actually love. And I think that can hold up people a lot. I'm going after what I love. I want to make more music. I want to do more comedy. I want to do more collabs with people that are fun and funny. I liked the stinger idea. It's fantastic. That's one thing that I appreciate about you too, is that you're always, I think I am on the cutting edge of stuff. You're on like the razor's edge of things. You're just always dipping your toes into new things. And so you're kind of someone I look to in that regards. And you've been trying some new things with the podcast. You've been doing lots of different stuff. I saw some video of you getting feedback from listeners. What are some things that you've been trying or what's some things that, I don't know, maybe have stuck or what hasn't? Would love for you to talk a little about that. Thank you for that compliment, though. That was really sweet. I, I look up to you, too. And I love collaborating with people who have a mic, that show up on time, that want to make good content, that are putting good into the world. You are all of those things. So recently, I've tried Cast Magic. Because for me, I tried it, I liked it, it worked. I got other people who liked it too. So I was like, oh, well, that could be like one affiliate I do. So how I use that is even sometimes I'll have a conversation with someone and record it. it. you who introduced Greg to me? Did you introduce us? I think I did. That's so funny. Greg's another friend of the show. We've hung out in real life. He's real. Oh, yeah. He definitely is. (laughs) So... Yeah, I'll take a conversation or an interview. I'll drag it into Cast Magic. It will make me some good title suggestions, some good newsletter suggestions. 
social post suggestions. It's not 100% there, but it gets you really close. I might add a word to a title. I might take something off, but it definitely aids in my creativity and saves me a lot of time. I know that you just developed a chat GPT course and that you make a lot of videos sharing the tips and things that you're using. I think that that's great too. Yeah, they're very similar. Cast Magic is, I think, a great solution for people who don't want to learn how to use ChatGPT. There's a little a learning curve there. But what's great about Cast Magic is you can upload your audio and it just gives you back all the different things that you talked about, blog posts and social posts and titles and, and all these sorts of things. What about collaboration? You've talked about that a little bit. Is that something that you are focusing on moving forward or is that a focus for you? How are you approaching that heading into this new year? That's a great question. Yes, I love collaborating. Another tool and collaboration that I've been doing is the Braided app. And they have a podcast and Rodney, who runs the podcast, I he's been podcasting a little bit longer than me, about eight years. And so I found it really interesting. Like he did a pre-interview with me and I loved the way that he pre-interviewed in such a short amount of time. He was able to get so much out of me. And actually, after he interviewed me like that, I was like, oh, I need to do that now before I interview people because you can get so much out of a pre-interview. Like, are you going to need to have a lot of questions with this person? Is this person just going to take over? Do you guys have a good flow? What is this person passionate about? Oh, there's so much you can get out of a pre-interview. And I wasn't doing that enough in the beginning. And I learned that from collaborating. Instagram Lives, I think, are another really great way to tease an episode, reflect on an episode, collaborate with somebody that you might not want to do another episode with, but you'd like to continue the conversation. You'd like to do an update story. So... Yes, I love collaborating and I love keeping the conversation going with the relationships that I already have and collaborating with them in different ways. You want to do a TikTok together? Do you want to do a braid it together? Do you want to do a LinkedIn audio together? You've already made this investment. So how can you continue to support each other? Yeah, great points. Great points. Rena, this is this has been fantastic. I'm excited to continue to collaborate, and uh, I'm sure you'll be back on many a more time. If people want to get more connected with you, the show, everything online, where's the best place to go? BetterCallDaddy.com or Rena Friedman Watts on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. Thank all of you listeners for sticking around and being with us today. If you made it this far, we would love a rating or review wherever you get your podcast, especially on Spotify. We are, we're making a little push there. If you happen to have the Spotify app or you're listening on Spotify, you can scroll over to the show and at the top, there's some stars. If you could give us as many as you think we're worth, if you know a podcaster, would love for you to send this to them. If they're thinking about starting a show or, or have one, I think Rena's, Rena's advice can really be helpful for a lot of people and as always, go get connected with Rena and myself on socials, and we'll see you on the next one. Later, fam. Bye.